Football started, uh, born and raised in South East London, uh, predominantly uh, Lewisham in the New Cross area. Um, I went to a primary school called Lucas Vale and growing up, I loved uh, anything creative. I loved art, I loved music, um, I loved martial arts. I did Taekwondo for since I was six years old into the age of 11. I reached black belt um, in Taekwondo. And then I started teaching as well um, at the age of 13, teaching classes of children aged 5 to 11. Um, eventually went into tournaments doing that as well, reached gold, silver medals and stuff. Um, and then secondary school was a weird, a weird, weird time for me. Um, I was like the popular loner type kid where okay. like I was getting in and out of different friendship groups and circles basically trying to find myself um, and also like still having like that, that love and passion for music, art, anything creative. Mm. Also football, didn't really have the most confidence with football and my own ability. So football like wasn't really an avenue for me at one point. Um, so literally it then went on to where I was doing a two year course in music. Um, I went into music production. And after you left school? Yeah, oh, after good. I left school. Yeah. So academically, I did pretty well. Uh, I passed all my GCSEs. Got A star star in um, art. I got A in music. Got an A in maths. Um, I preferred maths over English. Um, and yeah, I ended up getting a high merit in music production at City of Westminster College. Um, and I really liked, I really liked music. Uh, in college mostly because I met like-minded people mm. who also enjoyed music as well um, and so then my time after that was pretty much just like going in and out of studios meeting people networking um, getting myself out there as a producer uh, building my skills um, and then I ended up getting a deal where I was signed as a engineer recently nice, was, nice, this nice. was in uh, 2001 2021 um, where I was signed for pretty much a year. Um, and that was basically as an engineer. Um, I was also then put onto a, basically like a job where I would teach um, disenfranchised youth who were, you know, aged 13 to 16 knife carriers in, in Croydon, in, in some of the worst of areas. Um, and I was teaching them music production and also engineering. Um, and also songwriting as well. How did how did they find that? Um, they they enjoyed it. They they enjoyed it because um, they also had a passion for for music. Mm. Some of them didn't really want to take it so uh, seriously. A lot of them, you know, enjoyed the idea of you know the one foot in lifestyle type of thing where like they were making money on the roads and stuff like that. Um, they also didn't enjoy school so much. So, you know, coming to the studio and learning from someone who who knew what they were trying to do, um, they, they they found that interesting and fun. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the main source. Like, if, a little background about myself. I've been working in schools for three years, and I work with the same kids you talk about, like, but they're in school. So they haven't been kicked out yet. And they're basically on the verge of being kicked out, or some of them have been permanently kicked out or in, like, behaviour units or whatever. A lot of them just don't like authority. And it's like... And just doing stuff that they're bad at, one, or doing stuff they're just told to do. You know, when you're young, you're just told to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, when I was at school, I hated maths. 
had dyslexia. I couldn't read. It was like that alone, like killed my self-esteem and everything. So like, I didn't want to even push myself. Like my mum just paid for a tutor, but a tutor didn't really teach me a lot. Like, do you know what I mean? And it was just, I was naughty. I was one of the naughty kids, but I wasn't rude to adults, but I just didn't like authority and I just done what I wanted, you know? And I had that kind of like mentality of like, yeah, I just do what I want. So like, and everything I tried to do, like it's weird because I come from a family of music. Like music was something that I was shied away from, right? Because everyone's saying, oh, music is not, you know, it's not sustainable. And you know, how many how many successful millionaires, you know, in music and had all of this talk, right? So this is the running thing we all kind of have, right? So what was your driver to do music? Was you like trying to be famous? Did you want to have a number one hit record? Or did you just want to do what you love? Um, Mainly just do what I love. So it all started out, uh, where my love for music came through just loving movies. Um, I grew up like pretty much like a geek or a nerd. I loved Marvel movies. I loved anything superhero, anything action, really. Um, Transformers growing up was like my favorite, favorite, favorite like movie, cartoons, all of that. I loved it growing up. So uh, literally, I listened. I was always listening to like the music in the background. It was always epic, cinematic, and I was like, I want to start making like music like that. So there was that then there was also my love for like uh trap music so like Migos R.I.P. um Takeoff but like oh I grew up really liking um Migos music you know from uh from like my my later days in secondary school so I was like I really want to make music like this mm. I also you know started learning how to make drill beats in second in uh college as well mm. um and then it it hit me I was like you know, I don't want to work uh, full time, and I d- I I love you know making music. Um, I I had to think of a way to actually make this work and actually start making money from this. So I'd say, twenty twenty was like the first moment where I was like that lockdown time. That lockdown time yeah, where yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I can actually get paid from this. Yeah. I can I can look for different ways and I can. You, you know, just jump on the t- the tight beat wave because I, I jump yeah because a lot yeah. of my guys done that and they done well like. I yeah, mean. so I, I jumped on the type beat wave. Um, it wasn't paying me, but I was using my networks to sell beats to people that I knew. Oh, okay, of course. Um, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in different areas. Um, and also, uh, I started engineering as well for people privately, basically. So I was getting some cash, cash here mm, and there and mm. everything like that. And I was still working, you know, part-time in like 2019 and I started doing that as well. Last year, I'd say 2021 was like the year that really got me into entrepreneurship where you know I can I can really build something for myself and like really understand the business side of music a lot more as well because you know music is a business as well as it is an art facts you know musicians musicians are um stereotypically you know broke people like people that don't make a lot of money so Mm. you know like I had to figure out ways um, of of making an income from it. Um, and so when you was uploading the beats on YouTube, it's presented as YouTube, right? Yeah. Like, was you getting good views? Was it like people weren't buying? Did you have a website people buying the cart? Um, yeah, selling your beats for leases and stuff. Was you doing all of that? Yeah. So I had my beats on uh, BeatStars and yeah. also Shout out BeatStars. YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't really getting the most amount of views at first, and I also wasn't the most consistent, but. You know, what was the consistency part? I want to jump on that. What was the thing? You said you loved it. You're passionate. You're talented, you're obviously talented. Hmm. What What was that thing that didn't make you consistent? Um, it was lack of. I guess it was the lack of urgency and determination to really make something happen from it. I'd say this year, 
is definitely the 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 year where I was like cool. So what changed? Um, it was it was it was the urgency. It was you know my surroundings, my vision. Also, like the people I'm surrounded with right now, I'd Facts. say ninjas yeah, definitely yeah. motivated me. Nin- ninjas taking me to places where I was like, "Cool, I really want to be here." You know, this is the this these are the type of places where I want to surround myself, and these are the circles that I want to be in as well and be a part of. Um, so I guess it's like it's very important to really take yourself out the hood to eventually take yourself out the hood. You know, like you you've <laughs> got you've <laughs> got to you've got to take. Lone, lonely walks on Regent Street sometimes or with your boys mm. to really see can, what the Can I just add to like that? As well. You leave a place mentally first mm. before you leave it physically. Mm. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Absolutely. No, I like, I like your story, man. It sounds very inspiring and like obviously from a person who does music it's very difficult and um, as a creative you don't always want to focus on the finances but you have to to sustain yourself and feed yourself. Uh, and um, you know I, I remember seeing that producer wave as well that's what I talked about it so a lot of the guys that I went to school and college with were struggling because even me like when I went to college I was like I'm going to get signed and that was the vision I didn't know this whole internet thing came in and obviously the e-commerce changed the game like man they were selling beats online and making grands bruv yeah. like and I saw it like man will make type beat whatever put it on YouTube just of views then forget even selling the beat you can do views and get money off that mm-hmm. residual income you can make a beat once and get paid over and over again mm-hmm. that's really when it be like I, I remember being in the studio and people were like make a beat make a beat make a beat I can't, I can't be that creative I need to think have space take my time to just be a beat machine mm-hmm. like <laughs> that's just like crazy right <laughs> I wouldn't have time to make the beat and I feel like there's this thing now when they're saying like, oh, you know, these guys are making like quality over quantity. They're just making loads of songs. And like, at the end of the day, you need money, innit? So that's <laughs> if, that's, if that's the way you can um, feed yourself um, and doing what you love, um, then that's a good avenue. I think that that changed a lot for producers. And now a lot of people are making beats online and making money. Mm-hmm. So where are you now? Are you still making beats? Are you still working with artists? Obviously, you know, because you come from a studio today. But what, what are you trying to work towards now? So right now, uh, where I'm actually at in my career is like I'm in the position where I am positioning myself to work with industry artists. So before I was working with, you know, underground artists, artists that weren't necessarily signed to like major labels and stuff. But now, like my main goal and objective is to to be in studios and work with industry producers who are producing for industry artists so it's, it's actually funny that calm knows and and was in the class of m1 on the beat because mm, mm. you know i recently started uh linking up with producers who have worked with m1 as well um so eventually you know inshallah it all works out like i, I start making those moves so not like not asking that the obvious question why is it important to work with established artists um it's good for your own name it's good for your catalog uh it builds you know your your brand as well it's good for branding you know if if you've if you you know put on your bio for instance you've worked with heady one there's a lot of underground artists or unsigned artists that would be like raw mm. i gotta go buy my beat from cairo because his beats must be serious mm. like if heady one's jumping on his beat that means his beat serious so it's good it's good for your catalog um and it's also good for sp- experience as well yeah um, i would say that yeah definitely because uh, you're you're gauging more of an understanding of you know how people in the industry work as well. That's true. The um, levels, the levels of work. Yeah, yeah right. definitely. Like the levels, the levels are always changing and expanding. So, um, if there's any producers or aspiring you know producers that are listening to this podcast, um, definitely you know 
do as much research on music business as possible. Um, hone in on like your skills as as a creative. Um, figure out what it is that you want to do and what you want to achieve as well. Um, and build build your skills, build your skills, build your networking skills as much as you, as possible. Because like Ninja said as well, network is your net worth. Um, the people that you know can always help you as well. And collaboration is key. Yeah, definitely. I uh, love for that, man. Love for that. So I'm going to um, introduce my last guest and he's going to speak about his journey, where he comes from and how he is where he is today. Yes. Uh, my name is Pian Wu and uh, I was born in 1996. 90s babies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> born in Korea, Seoul, uh, capital of South Korea. Um, came to this country about uh, 2007. But before talking about that, I was I started and trained as a classical pianist since I was five years old, and uh, I was going around all places in Korea, all the competitions around Seoul, uh, winning with my sister. So if you guys think about all the stereotypical Asian kid who's always better than you in music and playing instruments, I was that kid. He was that guy. I was that guy. I was that guy. And just to jump in, is there any implications of that? Like as you get older, you felt like. You had to, because the people is like, I remember my friend Rue, and she was mm. saying that that's a thing, like they're, like, they're forcing the young kids to do these things. So did you feel any sort of like negative pressure? Or you uh, thought, I'm going to get to it. Oh, you will? If there's, there's a whole story to oh, okay, it. Okay, cool. Even better. Yeah, Even yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Um, so in the beginning, no, because, you know, um, obviously there's the practice part I never really liked, but then my mom was very patient enough to work with me and practice with me and doing things X, Y, Z. And also I just liked the attention. I just really loved the attention of people saying that you're a prodigy, course, like yeah. you're genius. Like, yeah. all right, cool. Yeah, I will do this. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, my ego, like, it's always, I was always, like, a big attention seeker. I always loved being on the stage and getting all the limelight, spotlights, whatever you want to call it, whatever the lights there was. For Instagram boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, in 2007, um, we, had, uh, we came to London because of my um, dad's business. Uh, so my dad was working for this company and a big company in Korea so he's like one of those elites like he was working he like, and then my dad uh, my mom was a uh, air hostess as well and then they work in the okay. same airline company and that's how they met and blah 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 like yeah the, one of those stories uh, uh, successful from the 90s Korea was very poor at the time so you know he was very he was studying a lot and doing things and they came to Korea uh, they came to UK and then they were um they were coming to UK and the things were not exactly looking so great uh, whilst, we're, uh, whilst we're at it. Um, a lot of, even though on the outside my family looks like it's so perfect and then they, we got our stuff together and everything, but inside it was crumbling down like because of the obvious reasons. Uh, the family, the communication, there, was, there wasn't exactly the communication that happened within the family between mom and dads and blah, blah, blah. And then the only... You have siblings? Yeah, I have one older sister who's also trained as a classical pianist just like I have um so these were the uh, my our mother taught us this because she knew that this is like one asset that we can take until rest of our lives and mm. Um, mm. she's correct she was right um piano is taking me ever so far from where I want to become uh anyways uh fast uh go moving forward uh so we had a I had an option of me and my sister had options. It's either I uh, go back to Korea uh, yeah. with my what dad. What age is you, apparently? At this, at this time, what age is you? Uh, year seven, year eight. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was pretty 12. young. Yeah, mm. 12, 13. So they, they gave me two options. Either 
uh, I go back to Korea with my dad, who I'm not in a good relationship with, because he was never around. He was always working from like he leaves um house at seven a.m. and then comes back at midnight, and you know you never really get to see him when you're a little kid, and uh and you know Asian parents. You know, mm. it happens. Mm. You know, mm. uh, I always feared my father. Not exactly envied him, or you know, things like that. So I and ne- uh, moving in, uh, going back to Korea just with him uh, was not a option for me. Mm. I, I I was not ready for that type yeah. of change in my life. Yeah, and also the education in Korea is just ridiculous. Like you know, we got the it's it's very intense. Like most in like oh, wow. education in Asia is very yeah, very yeah. intense. Yeah, could, you, could you give someone yeah. that that's like me who's born and raised here? A scope of what a school day looks a, like. A school day, you wake up at if, a high school day. You wake up at six a.m. in the morning, 6 and then you get to school by wow. six thirty in the morning, and then you start working from seven a.m. Yep. and and then uh, until five p.m. and from five p.m. on them, we have something called extra school curriculum. Oh, uh, that's compulsory. Pardon? That's compulsory. It's not compulsory, oh, but oh. then be- because it's so intense, that all the parents like push their yeah. kids to do so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you study until um, usually eleven p.m. Some other kids do it until like uh, one a.m. And these are like one a.m. Yeah, and these are like fourteen, fifteen year olds we're talking well, 12, about. Yeah, 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 and <laughs> yeah, they're doing the graveyard sh- uh, shift for uh, for sure, for sure. And then they wake up at six a.m. in the morning, and then they do that for twelve. Years. Uh, no, they do that for six years. And how is the education set up here? Because I know I work in schools here, so basically yeah. it's eleven years. Mm. You got six years in secondary from yeah. five to eleven, yeah. and then from eleven to sixteen, yeah. that's five years secondary. Is it yeah. the same in Korea? It's the six years in the primary school and the six years in the high school. So you do an extra year. Okay. okay. Yeah. How many days of school was it? Oh, back then when I was younger, six days a week. But then Saturday was like a half a day. So you finish at like, what, three o'clock? So I know, right? That's mad, that's mad. UK kids, install gratitude, please. Have gratitude. That sounds... Did you ever have a conversation with your parents about why they did that or was it never even spoken about? No, no, no. But for me, I was a fortunate kid because my mom never exactly put me onto these extracurriculums or anything. Oh, okay. For any sister? It's all my... No, no, no. But but then we did piano. But then we were trained as a classical pianist, like very intensely. Like we were. What do you mean intense? Like doing it over and over and over and over until like you're literally physically tired. Eight hours a day average. Whoa. Eight hours no yes, break. Serious. Eight hours no break. break. Nah, you're joking. Whoa. No, 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 no. How? How when it was really work? intense, it was intense. No break. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was, I was really that kid. But um, do you believe, like, even within that, like, they were training you to be this kind of guy that was like. Anything you want to be good at, you have to be focused and work yeah. really digitally yeah, yeah, yeah. and hard at it. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's like borderline. It's painful, right? It's painful. But yeah. in the end of it, you're grateful what you're saying. Oh, now you're sitting here today saying but, you're grateful. Yeah, here, but, but then the, the the grateful story comes along with this, uh, with the, what I'm about to say as well, which is that, so you know how I said I have options, right? It's either going back to Korea with my dad with yeah. intense Korean education or... Study my uh practice my arse off and get scholarship at musically specialized school boarding school and go to the boarding school. Okay, and that was so where? I took the latter, uh, and I was just practicing. This is when I was practicing eight hours a day because I. This is how much I didn't want to go back to Korea with my dad. Wow, <laughs> yeah, wow. there's a real motivation. Yeah, yeah, real motivation. It, it was a it was a survival instinct more yeah, like. Of course, yeah, no, yeah. of course, of course. Yeah, so yeah. I did, and then yeah, boom. Me and my sister both got into different boarding schools, but we both got scholarships, and then um, cool. And then uh, surprise, surprise, my dad left us and didn't you know mm. 
cut ties with us completely. So me getting the scholarship was in a way like helping my mom paying the rent to the house because if you wow, think about it, we are, my mom was stranded with no husband in a foreign country where she can't hardly ever speak the language and doesn't have the uh, right qualifications to get a proper job. And at that point, she was the air hosting or? No, 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 no. She was just a housewife. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. ever wow. since like, she got married, she was a housewife for like, yeah. She was doing a job for the side boy, but mm. at this point, she was a full-time housewife, didn't do anything. And, uh, and then she had to start her own business. And then in order for her to get things running, you know, she, we can't be around her. You get what of I'm course, saying? Of course, no, 100%, 100%. She couldn't even provide food for us properly yeah, at the real. time. So yeah. the, my, the way that I was hustling about when I was younger was to practice and be the best at what I'm doing, which is the piano at the time. Yeah. But obviously, mentally, I was struggling. Of course, I 100%. Was, I, hated, uh, I hated music. I hated playing yeah, the piano. Yeah, because it became so much of a job. Yeah, it was a job. It yeah, was a job. Literally. It was a full-time job. Uh, and all the kids, you know, you go to this kind of privileged school, private school, you kind of realise that all these kids are like, you're talking about 1% of Apple, yeah? One of the kids' dad had 1% of Apple. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's the level, mate. So that person's technically worth 20,000. Yeah, yeah. We are talking about like old British money. Like oh, yeah, old yeah, heritage yeah, yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, there are a bunch of those kids. So I've experienced all that. Oh, wow. And then I come back and see myself. I'm like, wait, what's, what's happening with my family? Like, uh, obviously, I'm grateful. But, you know, there's that such a comparison there. I was like, yo, what's all? So I never really had like a money problem or I never wanted to do this and I never exactly think much of the money it was just like okay as long as I just live and then we are happy then that's what it matters at the end of the day but I didn't want to go to university because waste of time uh, blah 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 but my mom insisted and uh, I was like alright cool I will try and then I've got scholarship to go to the, this music university called Guildo School of Music and Drama in oh, Barbican yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then because they were giving me money I was like alright cool like this is I guess this is gonna be a repeat another four years repeat of like what I've done so mm. I might as well do it and then get a proper degree out of it and mm. because I was working uh, studying in this university um, I was able to get a lot of teaching gigs mm. and because I was with my uh, no because and I came back home now I have to pay the rents and everything properly and then pay for the and be part of the family member now that I'm 18 so my schedule was uh wake up go to uni uh wake up practice for a bit go to uni finish uni and then go teach uh like students three students until 9 p.m 10 p.m come back home at 11 o'clock and then um sleep that was your daily routine. that was my daily routine for my first two years so i was very family oriented and dedicated individual in a sense that because i was the man of the house since i was 14 years old um and then and 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 then some um, situation happened. Uh, a lot of family situation happened. My sister went to Korea, and then she got into trouble. And then uh, I there was a court case that happened within the family that mm. my mom got sued, and uh, so a lot of things happened. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So this was the time when I was working, teaching about like fifteen kids. That's a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. But then the money was good. I was but paying. You're doing the teaching along still with the study? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. they maintained the scholarships as well. Wow, um, you must be a very, like, like thick-skinned individual. Uh, yeah, like, I'm disciplined. I'm disciplined like, in the uh, sense. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like even myself, like, I, what I see in you is like, yeah. 
I've had, I've had loads of similar stuff, but yeah. loads of stuff has happened to me that made me thick skin. Yeah. With something that something we see is so big, I see it's mine new. Yeah. And I just keep it moving. You yeah. know, that's yeah, praise to you, man. That's Thank that's you. very inspiring, bro. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Real uh, provider, real alpha male, real goat. <laughs> this is why this is why Mandem he got options, you like, feel me? It's why he got did, options. But what it is, he had that <laughs> pattern. Ladies what, like that. What, what I like is that he had it pattern from young, something that was nurtured from young. Yeah. Some of the young black kids in the ends don't have that. Nah, so that, nah, nah, so they right. just go out and sell drugs because that's just easy accessible. Yeah. What I'm saying is that you had that to go to. Yeah, no, Maybe I, de- you, I definitely had those options and I definitely had those uh you know uh people uh, have my group of friends who are like selling drugs everything or whatnot and then say that oh yo like just do this like it's, mm. it's gotta be because they un- they un- and they understand my situation and they empathize with me like just do yeah. business with me like all the all the bro all the korean dons or you know um all the hyungders shout out to the hyungder mm-hmm. and uh yeah they're, and but then i was like nah like let me do this. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to get myself in. I was a good kid. My mom taught me well. My mom raised me well. And I was like, I'm not going to do any of that. Shout out to mums. Yes, yeah, shout out to, big shout out to mums. That's a big thing right now. Yeah. All of us. <laughs> and, uh, Love my mom. Yeah. And then, like, this, this, uh, and then that's the way that uh, you want to make money. All right, cool. But this is my way of hustling. So don't mm. disrespect my hustle. Mm, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. And then growing up, now I'm, you know, and then the whole, fast forward, the whole lot of situation happened in my second year so i was about like what 19 or 20 something like that yeah so yeah. i had to go to korea and sort my sis- sister's situation out and then but then uh with within my mom's side of the family uh and then i and then i was long story short um the auntie that had a problem with my sister who she was living with at the time uh kick my sister out so I had to like sort something out and then just let them know that I'm the man of the house and you're not I'm not I'm not the one to be messed with yes. like you think that you're going to mess around with my sister nah next day I come to Korea like oh, wow. just like this wow. what's up because yeah. <laughs> we had that problem yeah, yeah, no, yeah of course yeah, yeah. Course, no, 100% yeah. does that make you aggressive yeah. with business yeah. now you have to because you, you had to. that internally yeah. so now you're doing business so you have yeah. that same mentality exactly and then but then again like the next day like I got kicked out so I was oh. homeless <laughs> I was homeless in Korea no. for two weeks so, oh, wow. which was a lot of yeah, which was a lot of adventure uh, yeah. in a sense. No, of course, course. And uh, came back to see my sister and see how she's doing, and then she was just like throwing motions at me, which is yeah, you know happens, now happens, I understand it's it. Women, man. Uh, you know, you know, she's a girl. She's in yes. a vulnerable situation. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. You know, yeah. like. Um, she she wanted this anger to throw into someone, mm, and then I mm, was there, and so I yeah. was that target. Now I get it. At the time, I was very confused. I was 100%. like, I came here for you, and then this is the way that I'm being treated. Yeah, the end. Yeah. yeah. So I realized that. So this is the time. This is the moment when I just I realized that I had to be little. Uh, I have to be more selfish and more think of what I want to do in life. So mm. yeah, this. So because I was very dedicating my entire life for the family and family purpose only, and that was it for me. That I didn't really have. Had a purpose. I didn't really have the much dream, you know. Mm. I already, as, as long as if I do exactly what I'm doing for the rest of my life, I know I'll be all right. Mm. You get what mm. I'm saying? But then this was the time when I realized, that, okay, I need to make some changes. So, um, okay, so I thought to myself, like, okay, what do I want to do? I'm not. I'm. I know that I'm not going to be a classical train, uh, classical pianist for the rest of my life because it's boring. But I love being on the stage. <laughs> I love performing. At least you're honest. Yeah. And, uh, like that. Okay, let's be real. Like, yeah. yeah. And yeah. by that point, I've done it for 16 years. Like, I was bored. Of course. Yeah. 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 Like, and they're like, okay. I always wanted to be a rapper. I always write lyrics on my textbook, just like all the other kids. Okay. All right. Cool. 
I'm a rapper now. Literally how we started. Literally how we started. So starting off was that uh, now we're getting to the story. Uh, was that? I love this story. So do you guys know? Um, Back in the day, there was like a lot of uh, UK rappers doing these Instagram challenges. Twenty eighteen. Yes. 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 What challenge was? What challenge were you doing? Um, do you guys remember Crepton Corners? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. You yes. Know the of course. Whoa, whoa challenge. Yeah, 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 do yeah. You guys, by any chance, remember like the Asian kids who was rapping on it, and then well, I, I, okay. I would, but it was, it was it how many was years really ago? A long time ago. Years ago. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I was that Asian kid. Nice. And I was rapping in Korean and then Conan reposted it and so they're mm. like Link Up TV and I'm just Bay, all these are the big platforms. So I've tasted my first clout. First ever clout. First ever clout. I thought yeah, I was gonna get so okay, like I got a chance <laughs> in this. You get me? Like yeah, I'm a big yeah, man yeah. now. And they're like kids in town know who I am now. Like, okay, cool. Mm. Um but I was doing that, but then I wasn't exactly making the music itself, but I was just constantly doing like Instagram yeah. challenges. So uh one day I Go on uh, Instagram story and I get I see this guy's Instagram story because I just we've been following each other for a, uh, no I followed him for a bit because you know Asian guy doing rapping in UK not many of us are. yeah yeah you know yeah. yeah I was in Manchester these times yeah, yeah at this okay. time yeah and then he was Ninja T at the time was uh, calling out all these uh, rappers Instagram, Instagram rappers. rappers who was rapping on the Instagram Instagram challenges but not going to the studio. He so, was calling them out. Yeah, calling them out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I was obviously triggered. And then I, <laughs> I was offended even though everything was right. I didn't even know it. No, nah, I didn't. Know. So we were just, so we were going back and forth texting for like two hours straight. <laughs> this is Insta. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, over yeah, Insta. Yeah. Like, this is our first Friendship ever communication. from an argument. Yeah. That's mad. Yeah. We, we, that's how our first conversation started. And then later on, like, he came down to London to do, um, and then he came down to London and then I was interviewed by this pla- uh, platform called Asians in Britain. And then they won another, like, Wavy Asian Donny like to interview with and I call Ninja yeah. and then he happens to uh, be in London on that weekend and then we linked up and then he was doing this photo shoot yeah uh, we did we did a photo fo- yeah. so in one in, in one like, day one day we did a photo shoot in the afternoon a podcast in the evening yeah. and nice. on that night okay, yeah. we made a song so on that Sick. night we had like a three hour oh. conversation he ended up coming to my yard and we bear man record- he invited me to his yard mm. and he'd known me for like nine hours yeah and then he came to my yard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's for a different time. Yeah, we we won't even share that. Yeah. yeah, we didn't share the story of how me and Ninja met. But yeah, oh, um, you could quickly drop that now. So basically, basically how me and Ninja met was, um, I've actually you know sent beats over to Ninja. I've known him for. You met Wu first. I'm at, yeah. Funny enough, I actually met Wu first at a producer event for producers and stuff, mm-hmm. and then. Um, I've known Ninja T since, so it was in tw- 2019. I was like, yo, bro, I really mess with your music. Um, is it cool if I can send you some beats? By the way, this is a really great way to hit up artists if you're an aspiring producer. Literally say, yo, bro, I really mess with your music. Um, is there any chance I can send you some beats that I believe would work for you? Sent him a beat, Ninja T messed with it, recorded a track. Nice, nice, um, nice. And then recently, it was only, what, August, end of July, uh, Ninja hit me up saying, yo, bro, would you be down to, you know, engineer at my crib for a month? Well, initially it was two weeks. Wait, wait, no, no, no. So, so, so basically, I video called him because I was living in, in Shoreditch Sides and my housemate was away for like three weeks. So I lived in a two-bedroom apartment and I called him 
with the intention of booking a session with him. And then oh, he told okay. me that he lost his studio. Mm. And I just I just thought something in the world told me, I, I, I don't generally recommend this, mm. but I basically said to him, look, mate, you've got me in your bio. You know about me. I know about you. We've shown love from afar for about two years. Mm. Sounds crazy, but do you want to just move into my gaff? <laughs> I like <laughs> well, that, that's, that's, how, that's how some producers and artists do it that is how music happens sometimes especially in the industry it's such an intimate thing man and like literally most of my friends most people that I recorded became friends because yeah. it's like every day you're recording every day you're doing this thing I mean, where he, he was so, living at my flat for like two so months bearing, so yeah and you get to obviously make a lot of good music in that time yeah, yeah. so yeah. that's how you lot met you became that, that's, that's, so, that's how that's so, how we met that's how we met IRL yeah and that's how this relationship started as well and he was the first producer ever to put me in his bio as well yeah. okay. for like producer credits like yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no one's ever done that for me before Sick. so I was just gassed yeah. Sick. I was gassed bro <laughs> Ninja T on my beat bro I was, <laughs> gassed, bro. I was just like I'm in Cairo's bio Cairo Sean <laughs> yeah. so you met um, Ninja and then you immediately start to work together or do you just obviously from you saw him on Instagram he was like cool and then when did you start actually physically meeting him and start doing everything stuff. happened in within that nine hours. The oh, photo wow. shoot, the convers- the interview, yeah, yeah, three yeah, hour yeah. conversation, yeah, yeah. and then we made the first tune. Uh, he came to my uh, he came to my yard and we made our first. I tune. Stayed over at his yard. Yeah, and I then, ate Korean food for the first time. Yeah. and three days <laughs> and then three days later, I was in Manchester shooting music video with him. So wow, every so straight yeah. work, straight straight work. We oh, made the okay. song, and I said, I said, I'll book you a ticket to Money. Yeah. yeah, and we just boxed it. Yeah, love that like risk, <laughs> that risk taking yeah. thing of like, and it's again, it's the instincts and, and the energy yeah. and the vibe. Yeah. And yeah. there's a reason why I wanted to understand everyone because I believe in like yeah. his story, right? Uh-huh. History is like where you are today. This is historical. Yeah, oh, like yeah. where you are today is is all the history of where you are, good mm. or bad, right? Mm. And that's why I see life now. Like mm. now, mm. in five years time, yeah. we're all gonna be in a different place in a different oh, room because yeah. of what we're doing and who we are and who we're around. Oh yeah. So yeah. I really wanted to understand mm. everyone and where they come from. Um, yeah, man, it's amazing stories. Everyone has individual like stories, and it all like nineties babies. Like, mm. oh, I was yeah, born eighty eight and shit. Oh, when yeah. was you born? Uh, Two thousand one. Well, even younger, even <laughs> younger. So nineties baby spirit. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm about the, the youth, and I'm about you know. I got two little brothers, right, by my mum. So like, nice. one is ninety three, and one's ninety eight. So like, that's like three different school generations, mm. right? Oh, damn. Yeah, man. So like, my little little brother doesn't even know what a youth club is. Mm. I grew up in a youth club, whoa, right? Because yeah, yeah, like hundred percent, he doesn't know what it is. Like I grew up in youth club because my mom always worked, right? And my dad has eighteen kids, so yeah, man. So it's like, but I'm grateful because even yesterday I spoke to my dad and he, you know, he likes that. You know, even though he had it at wet lock and it's all, uh-huh. but that's he, he can die with a legacy that's gonna live on for centuries. Because uh, yeah, you gotta understand, yeah. like the kids, kids, and kids have kids. Yeah. I ain't got kids yet, but like when I do have kids, it's like that legacy, that lineage you will live on for years. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, and yeah. so, and even that whole dynamics of a family, man, like everybody shout out their mum, shout out my mum, you know, who grew me. And I met my dad at 16. So, you know, well, he was, a, he came when I was eight, but then when I met him at 16, he was in my life consistently, basically. Mm-hmm. And I remember meeting this man and be like, I don't know you, but then he like made effort, bruv. And when I saw mm. a grown man making effort, Obviously, he had 10 kids before me, so he learned, like, how to mess up before, you know what I mean? But it was like, literally, he was just like, Bare effort, and literally, I'll be real on this podcast. I never thought I'd ever love the guy. I'll be real with you. I thought yeah, I would like him. He's my dad, uh. but the way he is helped me at that point in my life. And obviously, the way I grew, my mom helped me at a point in my life. Uh, uh, so that like, uh. my dad is. Both my parents are very loving. My family's very loving. Mm-hmm. So I have that kind of loving nature. Mm-hmm. And like my mom is like a, a solicitor. So obviously, she comes from that 
I've, she's always worked. Mm. So all I know is work. I don't know anything else. I would easily say I'm a workaholic. So mm. like, mm. but my dad is like a person who like, you know, again, both my parents are blunt. Both my parents will say how it is. And yeah, man, it's like, I'm a makeup of both of them. Mm. So you, you know what? I, I want to, uh, that story is very beautiful and I want to share something with you as well because you know how you said you met your dad when you were 16 and then yeah, you yeah. build a relationship and how your dad was the one that who gave the effort to get the relationship going on. Yeah, 100. Yeah, 100, so yeah. I, I didn't see my dad since I was like, what, uh, 13 or 12, 14, something like that, around that age. And then other recently, I reconnected with him. Okay. Yeah, so is. twenty it was 2020 right after the COVID, like I've dropped everything i was gonna quit music and oh, wow. then joined the army in korea shaved my head bald i just want to speak to you now about yeah. that man because we were music lovers what the yeah. hell made you think you're gonna quit music bro huh what made you think you're gonna quit bro, music? i was doing it i was doing music my whole life and i was just tired of it also i was not in a good mental state fair enough not fair in enough. a good mental yeah, state fair whatsoever enough. this guy is the living proof of it he lived with me at that time when he came oh, from yeah, Manchester. oh yeah he was down bro yeah i was i was down. i was his therapist for like three weeks yeah, and i was just yeah, like yeah. i'm not yeah. i'm not qualified to do this but i'm still <laughs> yeah. he tried his you best I, I did my best <laughs> you I, did. I tried before you go and i want to drop this this year from january till now i'm about male's mental health and people might think bro why do you care about that all this stuff mm. we go through like we have a thing of like men have to be like Everything we go through as men, we have to just firm it. Women have mm. this kind of, not excuse thing, but like you're a woman, so you kind of can kind of, but yeah. if you think about it, women are the backstone of all of our stories, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Strong women who had yeah. to, like my mom had to fend because mm. the dad wasn't there. She had mm. to, there was no, because I always talk to my sisters about this, like, because generationally now, my mm. sisters are now single mums and I'm like, right, how do you even raise these kids? It's like, we have no choice. So what are we going to do? Like, give you up for adoption? It's like, so yeah, man, credit to all of us because we all go through our own challenges and we all come 100. out the other end. You know what I mean? 100, so, 100. Yeah, continue yeah. what you're saying, bro. Yeah, so finish. Uh, so I was going to leave. Uh, I left the UK and then joined the army and then go to Korea to go to, Korea, uh, to, go to Korea. So in, at the time, I had to do two weeks of quarantine. Um, and whilst I was at it, uh, one of my best friends that who I have like uh, who we have a similar similar situation in our like dad problems right um, like his dad passed away during my quarantine so as soon as oh, I got out okay. I went and I was just drinking with him for like a whole week mm, and just mm. be there for him yeah, you know yeah, of course, being, yeah. being a friend innit of course yeah, yeah. and then one day he was telling me this was like you know I always want my dad to be dead and then gone um, but then now that he's actually gone out of my life I realised that there's like a single person that I know that who can understand me as a man has left this earth and I feel so lonely and stranded. Mm, and mm. then he was telling me the 6 a.m. in the morning when we're after we downing like, I don't know, like countless bottles of soju. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then yeah, he yeah. told me that like he doesn't want me to make the same mistakes as he did on his of death course. on my dad's uh, deathbed. 100%. And, um, and, I was, and then that clicked me hard. And, and then after that, the next day I called my dad and I was like, hey, like, this happened and uh, I don't want to make mistakes. Whatever that happened between you and mom, it's like you two problem. Mm. And, but I don't want that to be the, I don't want that beef to be inherited to me and have a problem with you. Mm. So I'm just going to go clean slate. Mm. Uh, like whatever the, whatever that I had for you, like whatever the grudges that I had for you, I will leave it and we'll put it behind and then we will work as a team uh, and then we'll try to build a relationship as father and son and yeah, I like that man and then like you know what why, why don't we try to like live together before I go and join the army like this is the only time that we will probably ever going to have to mm. you know get things going on obviously we are both hesitant like we are two full, or full grown adults and living on the same roof like 
mm. you know, it's gonna it's gonna go e it's gonna go either good or it's gonna go like we end up just per- uh, punching each other. And, like, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I moved in uh, two months later, and then turns out like I am identical. Mm. I'm. Like I am his DNA, and yeah, we wow. loved each other's company because we love both it. making love efforts it. in it. Like, yeah, love that. Love that yeah. yeah, and and then he, and then now I see the way of his live, uh, like his living in his day in the life, and he, his way of discipline, which is more structured and which is more experienced uh, mm. from what I was trying to do for myself. Yeah, and uh, I kind of see the guidance, and then I, I really respect it, and. Every time I go back to Korea, like he kind, he he like I w- I feel like I'm always upgraded as an individual because mm. that's what he wants me to have. He can't. He doesn't have a lot of money to inherit to me. He doesn't have any money to inherit to me for anything, for what I know. Mm. But he wants me to. He wants to inherit his mentality and mm. his mm. way of looking at things alive and to live as a man. Yeah, mm. yeah, you get what I'm saying? No, it's beautiful. So man. yeah, so like. From hearing your situation with your dad was uh, is more like your dad approaching to you and trying to get things going on at a young age and you're 16, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I really respect that, and yeah. because it takes a whole lot of pride and ego to be dropped to go to their kids and then as a father to go and connect that relationship with you. You get what I'm saying? Because for for at least for the Asian dads, like they don't really express feelings, or they just be like, uh. Yeah, mm. whatever. Yeah, cool, cool. It's you know, so if something needs to work out, then he has to be a son or wife needs to go and approach to them. But I guess that's just men, if I be honest. Yeah, no, hundred yeah. percent, man. Yeah. Nah, definitely. Like, now this episode's been really good. Um, we've laid the foundation for everybody. Um, the next episode we're gonna have a little break. We're gonna talk about crypto. Mm. We're gonna talk about web free music. Mm. Music. We probably all talk about that for hours, uh. but we'll mention music too. And we'll be back after that. Right, we're back for another episode of um, Desire to Inspire podcast. Now we're going to dive into crypto, NFT, web free music. Um, we're going to go into all of that. So basically, I've got um, a few of my guests here who are actually into blockchain, into crypto. And we're going to do a deep dive into everything. So I want to go from the beginning because a lot of kids are listening to this, a lot of young people, and they have no idea what's going on. So anyone can jump in and say okay, so what it is. And how to start. Let's start off like this. The first thing to understand is blockchain technology. This is the thing that is changing the infrastructure of the world. So the fundamentals that I want everyone to understand is blockchain technology is the overarching technology that is changing how planet Earth is structured. It's changing not only currency... But yeah, currency, how governments are run, and the monetization and opportunities of intellectual property, so in the creative art space. So what is blockchain? The easiest way to understand what blockchain is, is let's break the words down. The word block means computer, and the word chain means linked. So all the blockchain is, is that it's a network of computers linked together now why is this so revolutionary it's so revolutionary because in the current system we live in is 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 run by centralized entities so like centralized banks right they're not on a blockchain they're on a block so in blockchain technology anyone with the right tech 
can be part of this blockchain with the right tech, which is reasonably accessible. You can be part of the Bitcoin blockchain. You can be part of the Ethereum blockchain. And what that means is, is that the world is becoming, and like so culturally, we're becoming more decentralized. So everyone can be part of a network where we can co-own something rather than a singular entity, be it a bank or Instagram or YouTube, which is centralized. And you don't have any control. Like how many celebrities that we know have just been kicked off a platform? That's because they're not on blockchain technology. They're on a technology that is centralized. So the, the first thing I want people to understand is that crypto falls under blockchain. Blockchain is the bigger overarching technology. Perfect, perfect. Um, so how, how would someone get started? Um, and how much you you look at invest? Uh, you can do, you can go. So investing part, I want to, I want this is something that Ninja's going to explain very well. Can you just share them, uh, share the audience in regards to how early this market is in comparison to all these other traditional uh, economical capitals? Thank you, Pianwu, for the direction. Okay, cool. So, with regards to getting started, the first when people say, "How do I invest in crypto?" I tell them, "Do not invest in crypto." The first thing you need to do is get educated on blockchain technology and why it's changing the world. Step one, mm-hmm. get educated on blockchain technology and look at videos on why blockchain, which is the overarching tech, is changing the world. Once you go through that rabbit hole, it starts making sense. Mm. Step two, gain some financial literacy. Facts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to drop some financial literacy bars. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they don't teach this in school. But let me quickly educate anyone who doesn't know what a trillion is. A trillion is, one trillion is one and 12 zeros. So that's a million million, right? Mm. That's what a trillion is, one and 12 zeros. The biggest market in the world is real estate. It's a $300 trillion market. So pen and pad, boys and girls, men and women. Real estate, 300, 12 zeros after that. That's the approximate market of the biggest market in the world, which is real estate. Carol, what's the second biggest market? Oh. Second biggest market, bro. Stocks. Stocks. The stock market. Stock market. Which is a $100 trillion market. $100 trillion. Right? So that's a big drop. Real estate, 300. Second biggest market is stocks. Right? $100 trillion market. It's down right now. It's like on 88, but we say 100 just for perspective, right? Perspective is everything. The, se- the third biggest market after that is currency. Right, so that's all the pound sterling, USD, euros. That's approximately eighty-five trillion dollar market. Right, next biggest market after that is commodities, which is all the natural resources in the world. So that's gold, silver, oil, etc. That's a fifty trillion dollar market. So real estate three hundred trillion, stocks one hundred trillion, all the cash in the world about eighty-five trillion, all the commodities in the world fifty trillion. Crypto right now is a $1 trillion market. What does that mean? That means that there is a lot of upside for it to grow. The most money that's ever been in cryptocurrency ever was on the 10th of November 2021, where the market peaked at $2.8 trillion. So there's never been more than $3 trillion in cryptocurrency. Let me make people really understand this, right? I don't want to blow people's heads off, but there's what's called asset management companies in this world, right? Mm. You can Google this. Google top asset management companies. Now, on that first link on Google, 
there will be something called there'll, there'll be a website along the lines of ADV ratings, and it will display two companies on that link. BlackRock and Vanguard. BlackRock, yeah. yeah. So yeah. these are the two biggest asset management companies in the world. Carol, do you remember how much they have in assets under management? Five hundred trillion. Five hundred like trillion. Wait, 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 wait. Let me just correct that. My guy just forgot. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You're okay. okay. He's been in the lab, right? It's not five hundred, but it's ten. It's ten trillion, right? Wow. BlackRock have about ten trillion of assets under management. Vanguard have approximately nine. These are private companies. Imagine that the two biggest asset management companies in the world, companies that manage assets, to manage real estate, stock, gold, etc., yeah, for ultra-rich people, have approximately 20 trillion of assets under management, and there's one trillion in crypto. Right now, this is not financial advice, do your own research. If you haven't invested in crypto, congratulations. The reason why is because the upside for crypto right now is phenomenal. For anyone who is down in crypto, this is why you need to buy the dip. Well, do your research, but... but <laughs> no financial but, advice. No financial advice, right. You need to understand this. I'm trying to... I, I know there's no visual, but... The upside in investing is always bigger than the drawdown. So I'm trying to... I'm trying to let, let me think of something very, very easy to understand. Okay? So this is... I was going to bring out in a question about yeah. how the market is now. Is this what we're yeah. talking about yeah, right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today. Today, today, today. Today, as of... As of, yeah. as of was it the 6th of November? Mm-hmm. 6th of November, 2020. 6th of November, 2022, right? The current state of the market is this. First of all, let me, let me, let me make something very clear. Between March 2020 and November 2021, the entire money supply, which right now stands about $85 trillion, was approximately $50 trillion. So you need to understand that it took human history thousands of years to get to a $50 trillion currency valuation, mm. and it took 18 months to jump, jump from 50 to around 85. Mm-hmm. The reason why the rich get richer is because this is literally a dumbed-down version of how the world works. They, aka the central bank and governments, create new money. Mm-hmm. Money goes into assets. Assets then increase in value. value yeah. Rich people are the people who own the assets. Mm-hmm. When you position yourself to own the assets especially in a bear market where the market's red and things are down, you then have the potential for upside. So this is not financial advice, but this is, the, this is the greatest time in history for investing. Why? First of all, there's the most education and information out there in human history ever. But is there too much information? Yes. And the wrong information? The, the, there's, the, there's the wrong information, but there's also the most distractions. So I don't want to go into like conspiracy and things like that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. we also have the most distractions. So that's the downside, right? However, there is, there's lots of amazing information. So take this math in very, very, it's very easy to understand. Bitcoin right now is floating around 20,000 US dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it fluctuates between 18, 19, 20, 20, whatever, but it's been fluctuating around 20,000 US dollars. Bitcoin peaked at 68,000 US dollars approximately a year from today. Mm. Never in his... So let's, 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 do, let's do the maths, right? Jerome, you got a maths? Here we go. Well, I ain't got a maths, but I'm listening. Okay, right. That's to get from right. 20 to 60, what, what have you got times 20 by? Three. Yeah. Three. Three, yeah. Three, right? So logically speaking, do you think Bitcoin will go back to 60K at some point? Yes. Of course it will. Yes. Absolutely, right? That I am 99.999999% sure, right? So, also just want to add as well is that we are talking, we are listed all these different assets uh, 
in regards to all these other things like real estate and uh, gold, currency, uh, stocks and crypto. We gave five as example, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about it this way. Real estate happened ever since that we formed a Dawn society. Time. Going mm. time, right? But then the second biggest one happens to be stocks. Now, when did the stock start? 1704. 1704. How many years was that? That was... From now. Like for three, two, 300, 300 years, right? Years yeah. Ago? Yeah. 300 years, right? And currency... Has that's, existed for a few thousand years. Yeah, but then that's still less than the stocks. Less than stocks. That's why the stock market yeah. can't go to and zero. And how long has the blockchain uh, or cryptocurrency been existed into the market? Well, crypto, well, Bitcoin started in 2008. 2008. Blockchain technology, I believe, it was like 1997, but there wasn't much yeah. adoption. Yeah. So from 2008 till 2020 in 14 years. Mm. Two, yeah, 2008 yeah. to 2022. Yeah. yeah, it's now it's now uh, got the it's now in the uh, what was it one trillion? Oh, no, three trillion, right? No, it, it was three trillion yeah. in November 2021, yeah. and now it's one trillion. Yeah. Think about it this way: twenty-two years, one trillion max max cap was the uh, three trillion, and in fourteen years, stock had to go up to the where it is for three hundred years. Yeah, three hundred years. Real yeah. estate. God knows how long. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But money, uh, currency, how long? Thousands of years. Yeah. yeah. Gold, how long? Thousands mm. of years. Yeah. Mm. And then what else was there? That's that was pretty it. much that it. That was pretty yeah. much Com- it, right? Yeah, in oil. comparison to yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. How, um, I was going to ask quickly. So again, you talked about how you got started. Main thing is about... Wait, wait, wait. wait. Yep. My point is this, okay, right? Yeah, like, never in history has somebody presented you an asset and say, you buy this today. Yeah. It's ninety nine point nine 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 percent gonna triple in value. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. this is this is the problem though. People want to ask when. I don't mm. know when. I don't. Nobody like, knows. Nobody knows. No one you, knows. You know, yeah. No, no. In fact, the asset management companies. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. But like, when mm. people really understand, like, I am. There's almost no chance this is not gonna triple. Yeah, yeah. But forget triple. Let's say quadruple. Triple. Let's times yeah. by five. five is yeah. Bitcoin going to go to 100K? I'm mm. also 99.9999% sure, right? We won't even go to the mathematics behind it. I actually think Bitcoin's going to go to a million in the next 15, 20 years, right? So and that upside from 20K to a million, if it's true, that's a 50X. Yeah, yeah. 50X. You, you know how yeah, life changing yeah, yeah. that that's, is? That's mad. You so, put a thousand pounds in it and then that's 50K. 50K. So it, might, it might take you a decade or two. Yeah, but but, it, but if anyone's listening up, to this yeah, and you're 16, yeah, 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 yeah. good return. Now you guys have been investing in crypto for a while, right? Since 2015. Yeah. 2015, a long time. So yeah. what I want to say is, what is your experience? So what is your yeah? No, what <laughs> is your, I can see. Um, anyway, what is your experience so far, and what are you trying to achieve with your investments? I want to know what is your objective. Do you have an objective? What you know? What have you had losses? I want to know the real. The, can you be honest and real? Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. So in 2015, this, this is my crypto story. 2015. But a thousand dollars of um a thousand dollars of a Bitcoin twenty seventeen saw that thousand go up to I think like seven. I locked up one point seven Bitcoin in something called BitConnect, which was a high interest Bitcoin yield. It turned out to be a scam. The Bitcoin ooh. Entering the room is Richard, one of the greatest web free music practitioners in the world. Step step in please. Um yeah, so I lost that Bitcoin, which as of last year, there's a hypothetical loss of 130,000, oh, which wow. is amazing, which is, which is crazy. But yeah, of course. You, bounce up, you bounce up from your losses. Um, I didn't understand market cycles. 
and I didn't understand taking profit. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what is a psyop in the crypto world. Mm. Just hodl. Mm. No, 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 no. <laughs> when you are largely in profit, yeah. At minimum, you want to sell your initial investment. Okay. For sure. For sure. Right, cool. because imagine seeing an investment from one k go up to nine, and then back down to one. Mm, yeah, that's <laughs> that, nice. yeah, yeah. Pain, it's pain, pain, pain. pain, pain. And, the, and the new topic right now, we're gonna yeah. jump in and be a, a, a real speedy with this. Yeah. Music, web free. Let's go. Okay, why is web free music changing the world? You better quickly go in, bro. Like literally, you ain't gonna take it that long. So we're gonna do it quickly right now. Three minutes. Three minutes. Well, you gotta do the best. Pitch and introduction <laughs> in their life. Let's hey, go. Nice to meet you guys. Um, this is Blockwave of Music AFT Network, and yeah, good to meet, good to see you all. Um, so, <laughs> so why, um, so why is it? So you said the question was, why is it going to change the world? Yes. So, basically, if you're an artist at the moment, it's tough. You know, you don't earn much from Spotify. You don't like, especially when you're low eyes. When you're established, Literally. it's harder. But when you're just coming out in yeah. like a, a needle in a haystack. Yeah, don't mean that sense. Literally, like ninety nine percent of the world, ninety nine percent of the of artists on Spotify aren't making a living for a start. And um, do you want to see that new Spotify documentary on Netflix? Actually, I'm gonna Play watch it. it. It's in my it, watch list. I'm gonna it, watch it's it. It's so good, guys. If you're out there, watch it. It's really good. But basically, yeah, Web three music is here to flip the script and basically take the record labels. Well, not not take them out, but give artists the chance to basically go independent, make money from music NFTs, and yeah, basically take back the ownership. And so they can own songs, right? Yeah, so they can um, and share royalties. That's important. They, they can share royalties. Um, so, like, I've got theories on the royalties model. I, I think it's. I think for now, royalties on a song doesn't work. Okay. On one song, I think it works on an EP or an album. I think that's more attractive to a to like a um, to basically an AFT buyer. Um, but it is cool though. So I like what say like Royal are doing. Royal, or, yeah, or Royal op- op- opulistical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I like the the perks. The, sorry, the perks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the perks best. So I think, like yeah. for example, you know, yeah, access yeah. to like um, sort of exclusive live shows. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite perk. It, like if you do like a live show for your music NFT holders, yeah. I think that would be absolutely sick. Or maybe lifetime membership to gigs if it's a really expensive music NFT. Um, but so how can people make a living if you're an artist and you want to make a living off this music NFTs world? Is there a route to go, or is it? Just yeah, absolutely. Like that's what I mean. Like there's people out there right now that if you put one music NFT out a month at not point one, one a month at not point one ETH, not point one ETH, go. Then basically, you yeah. sell twenty five of them. Twenty five. You're yep. making you're making five times as much as you are on Spotify <laughs> for, as an average artist. Wow. So if you can produce music regularly, perfect. It's o- amazing. Also wanted to add is that like we are talking about music NFT and it sounds all uh, cool and. Innovational and everything, and then everybody's gonna make music uh, out of money out of uh, NFT music uh, music scene. But I want to stress this out to the people: is that treat NFT as one of the ways of making incomes in Agreed. you as a music uh, artist as a career. Because at the end of the day, the fundamental of you as a brand is just as is it is the key way to get the money out of it. So think of NFT as like a, another form of merch. Mm, okay. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's another, another income stream. Yeah, yeah it's like another, it's yeah. another stream. You're right. You're right, though. Yeah, just to end this quickly, we've got a couple of minutes. Oh, yeah, what does it mean for fans? Yeah, fans. It means getting close to your favorite artists. Like the idea is, it's for it's for super fans. It's like your it's like your hundred if you're small to maybe a thousand if you're bigger. Like your closest fans, and like it's a way to connect with them, like in a group chat. 
Like you'd never be able to just like direct to consumer. Right, oh, right. Okay, perfect. So and yeah, and that's that for me is the biggest perk. And obviously just having that limited edition rare like item which is you know, it's maybe not as readily available in physical products, but in digital products I think it's a bit cooler. And I think there'll be lots of unlocks of what a music NFT does like going forward. So yeah, I think if you're an artist listening yep. and you're not in web three yet, literally get into it. Perfect. Love it, love it, love it. You know what? Thanks for all your guests. My last minute dropping guests. <laughs> Everything is just about the conversations you're having. The more conversations you're having, the more opportunities you're creating. So you've got to go out there and network. And it's about the people you know. Because your network is what? Your network. There we go. Desire to inspire right. podcast. And we'll be back again.